Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Great to be together. Um, today we're going to be diving back into uh, the book of 2 Corinthians. Now, we've been in 2 Corinthians all year as we've been walking through our study of this, this great book. And we saw early in the year that Jesus is preparing us for the mission that he has called us to. We saw that in the first two chapters of this book. And then we saw in chapters two through four, we saw that the, the, what the nature of the ministry is, the mission is that Jesus invites us to participate with, that, that we have the opportunity to spread everywhere we go the knowledge of Christ. And then we saw in chapters four through seven, most recently, how we might endure on mission, how we might endure on mission, even in the face of difficulties in our Christian life. So we've seen this over the last number of weeks, and today we're going to continue our study by beginning a four-part series looking at chapters eight and nine called Mission Fund. How do we participate in the mission that Christ is working in the world with the finances that God has entrusted to us? We're going to be talking about that over the next few weeks. Today in part one, looking at chapter eight, verses one through seven. But before we look at those verses together, I, I, I just want to kind of set the context for what we'll see about giving in these verses. I was reminded as I studied them this week of an experience I had in high school. You know, I was born at the right time and in the right place for someone that loved basketball. Because in my four years in high school in Bartlesville, our team won the state championship three times, freshman, junior, and senior year. Sophomore year was the only year that they didn't win. And I remember talking to our coach, uh, interviewing him for the school paper in that, that, that era right after they had not won the title, the, first, the only time in four years they hadn't won. And I, I asked the coach, I said, were you disappointed with the outcome last year? And he very quickly corrected me. He said, Mark, whoever said I was disappointed? He says, I was extremely proud of that team. They got better from beginning of the year to end. They maximized their opportunities and they performed great. I was very proud, maybe even most proud of what that team accomplished. And, and I never will forget that response because it reminded me again that a good coach evaluates his team against their potential, not just against some external standard. And friends, when it comes to the area of generosity, the same is true before our God in heaven. Our God in heaven does not evaluate us and our giving based on just how many zeros are on the other side of the comma. But God evaluates our giving based upon what he has entrusted to us. And so, we're challenged as we look to God's word to consider what God would have us do to participate financially in his work. Today, we're going to begin to see more of what that looks like by looking at chapter 8, verses 1 through 7. I want to read those verses for us, and then we'll back up, and I'll make a couple of observations from these verses today. Chapter 8, verse 1, the apostle Paul writes and says this, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. In this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the will of God, by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So we're going to be looking at these seven verses. And this morning, I want us to see two things. So what are we going to see? The first thing I want us to see is this. We're to give like a Macedonian. We're to give like a Macedonian. If in the 1980s, the Bengals encouraged us to walk like an Egyptian. Anybody here? Okay, just make sure you're awake. In, in the 60s, right after the time of Jesus, the Apostle Paul encourages us to give like a Macedonian. Now, what did he mean when he encouraged them to give like a Macedonian. What does God want for us to hear as we hear that we are to give like a Macedonian? Well, we need to look at chapter 8, verse 1, a little more as we orient ourselves to this passage. I want to draw your attention to two words that are mentioned here, grace and Macedonia. What do these words represent? Well, Macedonia was, for, for one way of comparing it, like a state. And inside the state of Macedonia, there were three prominent churches, one in Thessalonica, one in Berea, and one in Philippi. How many of you have ever heard of those names? Very prominent names. Paul wrote letters to them. They're mentioned and highlighted inside the book of Acts. And so these three churches in Macedonia are what Paul is talking about. There was an example. There was something they were doing that was to be celebrated and highlighted, the churches of Macedonia. And this word grace, what does the grace of God mean here? Well, in context, friends, he is talking about financial gifts. This will become clear as we proceed through this passage. But Paul here is talking about the, the grace gifts, the financial gifts given by the Macedonian church towards the work of the Lord. Now, what do we know about this gift? Well, actually, we know quite a bit about it because it's talked about in a number of different places in Scripture. We know from verse 4 that this was a gift that was given for the relief of the saints. What saints? Well, we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, a passage we're going to look at next week, that specifically he was talking about poor believers who were in Jerusalem. They were experiencing some hard times, and so the Macedonian church gathers up a collection to take to the believers in Jerusalem. And we know that Paul and his team delivered this gift to Jerusalem, and it's talked about in Acts chapter 24 and verse 17. And this was something quite significant, something that Paul was very adamant about delivering because he saw in this gift a, a, a healing that might take place. The, the church was, was split in many ways in the first century between Gentiles and Jews. And Paul saw this gift as a way to bridge that divide as an offering was taken up among the Gentiles to deliver to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. We see this in Romans chapter 15, verse 27, that Paul saw this gift as a way to unite the Christian world 
together. Now, this gift that was given by the Macedonians, we, we need to pause and think for a moment. Is that, what was the nature of that gift? Is this a, a one-off? Is this something abnormal for Paul's ministry? No. Paul contributing to the needs of the poor is actually something that was very much a part of the ministry that he was engaging in. We, we see this in places like Acts chapter 11, where Paul is still called Saul in the very early stages. It says that, that Paul, while he was up in Antioch, uh, was among a group of disciples, and they determined everyone, according to his ability, to send some relief to the brothers living in Judea. The struggles of the Jerusalem church went way back, and the church in Antioch gathered a collection and they sent that collection down to the believers in Jerusalem through Barnabas and Saul. This delivery of this gift is something that's highlighted in the book of Galatians in chapter 2 and verse 10, when it says that only they, Peter and James, leaders of the Jerusalem church, asked Paul and his company to remember the poor, the very thing they were eager to do. And so, friends, we see very clearly that this was a part of the ministry that Paul was engaging in throughout his time and throughout his missionary journeys, specifically delivering gifts to those brothers and sisters in Christ who had significant needs. Well, let's go back to verse 1. In verse 1, the, the Macedonians who took up this collection are held up by Paul as an example Paul says, give like the Macedonians. He wants us to know, he wants us to make special pay special attention to how the Macedonians gave. Well, what was it about the gift of the Macedonians that made their gift so exceptional? Well, it's interesting. It wasn't the size of the gift, but it was how they gave in proportion to the level of their own needs that caught Paul's attention. We see this as we look at Verse 2 and following, he says, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They were not in a great spot. They were being persecuted because of their faith in Christ. They maybe had lost their jobs. They were experiencing hard times. But even though they were experiencing hard times, they still were prioritizing giving to the needs of others. Paul talks about their struggles when we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 when he says that he understands that they had received the word in much affliction. Or in chapter 2 verse 14 when he says, for they suffered the same things from their own countrymen as the people in Jerusalem did from the Jews. You see, the church in Macedonia was beat up. The church at Macedonia was struggling. And yet in the midst of their struggle, they still were giving generously in proportion to what they had. I love what Warren Wearsby says about this. He says, no computer could analyze this amazing formula. Great affliction and deep poverty plus grace equals abundant joy and abounding liberality. See, it it, was, it stood out because how does someone who is, is being persecuted, somebody that is, has many needs themselves, how can they participate in giving to others? This stood out to Paul, and it should stand out to us. The Macedonians were held up as an example. 
he goes on about the Macedonians and he says this. He says that their extreme poverty is overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. Now, what does it mean to say that they gave beyond their means? Does this mean they took out a second mortgage in order to give? Does this mean that they gave on the credit card in order to get the airline miles? I mean, what does it mean to say that they gave beyond their means? Well, it doesn't mean those things. I think what Paul is saying is they were giving sacrificially. They were giving of things that they could reasonably be assumed to use for themselves. They had taken a lower standard of living. They had sacrificed in some way in order to be able to participate financially in what the Lord was doing around the world. And they were held up and celebrated as a result. Kent Hughes says this, he says, Christian giving is estimated in terms not of quantity, but of sacrifice. You see, if we think that you have to win the state title in order to have done something significant, we're not thinking like a good coach. We're not thinking accurately. Have, have we performed to our, our maximum? If we think that we only are able to celebrate and participate in giving, if we're able to give seven figures, then we are mistaken. Each of us have an opportunity to consider how we might participate with whatever God has given us sacrificially in his work. He goes on and he says that they begged us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not as we expected. That's right. No one would expect people to beg to give. It's like he's wrapping up the service and they stand up, wait, 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 wait. You didn't pass the offering basket. You know, what, what, what is he talking about? He begged to give. Well, friends, I think that the idea was not so much that they wanted it included in the worship service. I think that they wanted to be considered worthy to, be, to participate in the joy of giving. That's what they were begging for. They were begging for the opportunity. Apparently, the Apostle Paul knew of their struggle and felt bad asking them for resources. And they said, why would you withhold from us this great opportunity? They begged him for the opportunity to give in any way that they could. It was unexpected, but it demonstrated the heart-level joy they had. Now, this is not something that was unique or, or ab abnormal for those Macedonian churches. Lest we forget Philippians chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul said of them, he said, No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. From the time Paul was there, they were sending him resources. They were partnering with him in ministry. They were sacrificing to be a part of what God was doing from the very beginning. This is an area that the Macedonian church excelled in. So Paul could say, I'm going to hold the Macedonian church up and say, let they be the pace setters for your generosity in giving. So how about us? What is our response to these verses and others like them? Well, a few things that I would, I would share. First thing I would say is this, who are your heroes? Who are your heroes in generosity? Who are they? Who are your heroes in generosity? You know, when we think of our heroes, we often will think of people who are, who are excelling in a certain area. I love the OKC Thunder. Um, my favorite players on the OKC Thunder are like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, first team All-NBA, All-Star. 
Josh Giddy, high performer. I, I, I love watching those guys play. They're, they're our heroes. When, when my son and I watch the game, that's who we're following, right? We make our heroes those who are high performers. And so when it comes to your giving, who are your heroes? If you lack any, let me encourage you to hold the Macedonians up as your hero. Their record is preserved across history. Even in a difficult time, they gave. Even in a difficult time, they gave sacrificially. May we look to them as an example for us today. Rather than just comparing ourselves with others around us, maybe look there. Or look to history, to people like George Mueller of Bristol, who sacrificed tremendously in order to provide for orphans in Bristol, England during the plague. Or even others that you know of in your family or in your life who have modeled generosity. May we see them as our heroes, as our aspirational heroes that we might learn to give by watching them. You know, giving is a spiritual gift. It is. But that doesn't mean that only those spiritually gifted in giving give. It means that those who are spiritually gifted in giving help set the temperature for the rest of us. May we all see the opportunity the Lord has given us to participate. Who are our heroes in this area? Second thing, do we beg to give? Do we beg to give? Now, I'm not actually asking you to beg to give, but I am asking, what is your attitude towards giving? When, when you saw this morning that this message series was going to talk about giving, did you kind of roll your eyes? Did you kind of think, well, maybe next week's the week we go to the lake? I mean, what, what were you thinking about in that moment, right? Let's be honest. We don't always have the same joy when it comes to this category, but we should. Because it's another opportunity, it's another way where we can participate with the Lord, where we can trust him with all things, including the resources he has entrusted to us. Third, does our giving hurt? Does our giving hurt? It reminds me of a, an anecdote about someone who, who said, you know, the pastor said I should give till it hurts, but I hurt just thinking about giving, right? You know, we, we can relate to that a little bit, can't we? But we see in the Macedonians that they gave sacrificially. It cost them something in order to give. Are we giving just among the extra or are we giving something that costs us something? The Macedonians are held up as the example because they gave sacrificially. The Corinthians, who weren't experiencing the same level of persecution, who were blessed with a lot of resources, are not held up as the example. The Macedonians were because they were willing to give sacrificially, not just giving among their extras. Does our giving hurt? And then what is your plan to give? What's your plan to give? We'll talk more about this in next week's message. But, you know, just having a desire to give is where it begins, but that cannot be where it ends not just a desire to give, but actually following through with giving. And, you know, one of the ways that we have, have facilitated to help, in, you know, provide opportunities to give through Wildwood to the work of the Lord is through our website. And you see that here. We highlight that in many services. We have ways to give offerings at the doors. Just know that that's not there just because we have needs. We do have needs. There, there, there are needs here at Wildwood, but we want to give you the opportunity to participate in what the Lord is doing. 
both here in our community, here inside of our church, but also around the world. So who are your heroes? Do we beg to give? Does our giving hurt? And what is your plan to give? These are thoughts connected to this big idea of giving like a Macedonian. But there's the second thing that I want us to see. And that second thing is this, give him your life and loosen your grip. Give the Lord your life and loosen your grip on your stuff. This is something that comes clear in verses five through seven. See, in verse five, we we find out how they are able to, to give joyously, sacrificially, even in the midst of their affliction. They're able to do that because verse five tells us, because they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Paul says they are able to give generously because they have already given their entire lives to Jesus. When we give our lives to the Lord, that is where it begins. That's the foundation. And this is something really Bruce has been talking about over the last four weeks as we've talked about the gospel and what Jesus has done for us and how we need to trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins and begin to follow him in obedience. Friends, if if we have placed our faith and trust in Christ, if we've repented of our sins and we are following him, if that is our foundation, then it doesn't seem so strange to give financially to the work of the Lord. It seems very consistent with the foundational decision that has already been made. And so we see that they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to this work. But Paul goes on, he says, Titus, now remember Titus, if you've been with us in our study of 2 Corinthians, you might remember that Titus is the one that Paul had sent in his place to go and confront the Corinthians about some sin that was going on in the church. And Titus had showed up and Titus had confronted them of the sin and they had repented and Titus then came back and brought news to Paul that the Corinthian church had repented of their sin and there was great joy. But apparently when Titus came back, not only did he share that they had repented of their sin, but he also said they had failed to take up the offering that they had promised. See, in Paul's time in Corinth, he had talked about this need in Jerusalem and he had asked them to set aside some resources, but apparently they had not done so. And so though they were commended at one hand for repenting of sin, Paul's like, Titus tells me that you haven't followed through on this other part of your commitment, of the taking up of this financial gift. And so he encourages Titus to continue to to minister among them that they might contribute towards this act of giving that Paul had challenged them to. And this is because, as verse 7 tells us, Paul desired that they not just excel in one area of their spiritual life, but that they grow in all of the areas of their spiritual life. He says, but as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Paul wanted them to excel in giving just as they excelled in other ways. We see this in Paul Barnett's comment on this verse. He says, The Corinthians were strong in activities that are local to and centered upon them. Things like miracle-working faith, charismatic speech, and theological understanding. But they are weak on those that are for the benefit of those outside. In this case, the saints of Jerusalem. 
Paul's pastoral desire for the church in Corinth was not just to excel in some areas, but for them to excel at all, including their pocketbook. And so he challenges the wealthy church of Corinth to give sacrificially, even as their friends in Macedonia had done. Now, how do we connect that to our lives? Well, a couple of things. First thing is this. Have you given the Lord your life? Have you given the Lord your life? It begins with that foundation. Again, we've been talking about this over a number of weeks, that the nature of the gospel, trusting Christ, repenting of sin, following him. Have you done that? Have you begun that? If if you haven't, then, then everything we've talked about in terms of giving and generosity and participating in the work of the Lord, all that is secondary. All that is down the road. But for those who have trusted in Christ, it makes sense to talk about giving financially to the work of the Lord. But for all of us, it had to begin someplace. Have you given the Lord your life? And then, are you participating in giving? You know, again, why do we give at the local church level? And why do we take up an offering? Friends, it... it, really and truly is because there is joy in giving and it's an opportunity of discipleship for us to participate and be a part of what the Lord is doing here and around the world. What a joy it is to serve the Lord, not just with our hands, but with our wallets as well. Because where our treasure is, what else is there? There our heart is also. And Jesus is very much interested in our hearts We provide opportunities to give through the local church so that we might pool our resources and multiply them in ministry here and around the world. And so with that in mind, I want to share with you a special opportunity that we have as a church uh, under this banner called Mission Fund. Knowing that that this series was something we were going to be launching, um, we've been preparing for this for the last number of weeks Uh, Because we don't want to just talk about the opportunity to participate financially in delivering offerings to those who who are in need around the world. We want to actually do it, right? And and by God's grace and your generosity, the Lord has already moved among Wildwood to give money towards outreach ministry. So we already have an offering that has been collected. The question is, where do we send it? There are so many needs in the world. Where do we send the resources that have already been gathered? Well, we need your help in figuring out where those resources should go. Our our global outreach folks have put together five different projects that that we think are worth investment, but we want to know which ones you personally and your family would like to see the money go to. Again, we're not passing an extra offering basket. This is money that's already been collected. We just want to know where you think it should go. So five different projects. One project has to do with evangelism, those that are in in need of the good news of Jesus Christ. An effective tool for that is the Jesus film, and there's a tribe in Brazil that needs the Jesus film translated into their language so that gospel outreach can happen in that region, and a gift would help facilitate that. A a second gift has to do with relief efforts. 
In, in the last year, the, the challenges with the war in Ukraine, as well as challenges in Turkey with the earthquake, have created big needs. And Samaritan's Purse is on the front line helping to meet those needs in Jesus' name. And so another possibility is to send money towards those relief efforts. A third project has to do with Bible translation. Well, we have access to God's Word, and it's amazing. Not everybody in the world has access to God's Word in their native tongue. There's a tribe in Indonesia where a translation project is underway, and we would like to give some resources to help further that translation project of the Scripture in partnership with Wycliffe. And then another project has to do with church planting. Some of you know our partner in Spain, uh, David Robles, and his work in raising up church leaders in that region, a region that amazingly has very few evangelical believers, very low percentage. Um, They're raising up leaders to plant new churches, a gift to help plant churches in that area of the world where it is such a need. Or a fifth idea has to do with leadership training. In the Middle East, we partner with an educational institution that trains pastors and church leaders who are stepping into environments throughout the Middle East where there is great need. These are five different projects, and we want to know where which of these projects you are most interested in seeing us fund. Over the next four Sundays, uh, you're going to have a chance to provide some feedback. In your bulletin, there's a little handout, and and you can take that out. You can fill it out there, or you can go online to wildwoodchurch.org slash fund. And if you go to that site, you'll also find more detail about each of these projects if you want more detail. But we'd invite you to prayerfully consider which of these uh, you're, you're most excited about. And, and this is how we're going to do it. Every, every family gets 100 points a week, 100 points a week. And so you get to divide those 100 points however you want to. If there's one project that you want to put, go all in on, put, you can put 100 beside the evangelism project. If you think all five are awesome, you can put 20 in each category. Um, just a percentage. It helps us know your heart. And at the end of the month, at the beginning of August, we'll be able to share as a congregation Uh, the gifts that we're able to send uh, in response to what we're seeing here in Scripture. Understand? Exciting opportunity for us in in this giving opportunity before the Lord. And, And we're reminded here again that we are giving Him our lives and we are loosening our grip on the our things. Now, one last thing I want to share before we sing a closing song together, and that is just ask the question, did the Corinthians get it? Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says to the Corinthians, give like a Macedonian. Did they receive the message? The answer, friends, is an emphatic yes. They got the message. And we know that because of what Paul says in Romans chapter 15. See, Romans was written after 2 Corinthians. So sequentially in time, it was written after. And Paul writes to the Romans and he's telling them what he's up to. And he says, for Macedonia and Achaia. Now, what is Achaia? Achaia was the state in which Corinth existed. What's Paul saying? He says, Macedonia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, and Corinth have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it. Friends, they got the message. The question is, will we? Would you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to to open your word and to study it together today. We pray that you would be honored in just 
our response, not just the reading of the words, but our response to these words, that we would trust you with our lives and we would follow you sacrificially even in the handling of finances. Lord Jesus, may you do great things in your work here and around the world. And Lord, thank you for the measure of your grace that allows us to participate in it in any way. We thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.